Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Frank Biernet. Before I get to Frank, I have some announcements to make. First, go to our website, that's TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there and check out articles that I've written, articles that some of the guests have written. You can see their photos, see the links to all their social media, and you can see links to all our social media, which is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, and Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook. And if you can follow us and friend us and obey us <laughs> on all those platforms, I would appreciate it. You can also see links on our page to Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a good rating because that uh, helps more people find the show, which boosts our presence. And that's a cool thing. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Today's show comes with a disclaimer. I recorded this interview before I left in late August for my trip to Europe, for my extended trip to Europe, and I wanted to bank a number of episodes before I left, edit them, load them, put them online, so when I was gone, I didn't have to worry about it. And I only had a small window to interview Frank. He was in town uh, traveling with his girlfriend. Uh, He was in town from Switzerland, and so I had to grab the interview when I could. And so I went out to his hotel on the Venice Beach Boardwalk here in L.A. We set up the interview with my last laptop and my microphone on his uh, rooftop of his hotel. And I don't usually do interviews outside. And I now know why. Because it wasn't until a week later when I was editing this episode, and Frank had long since gone home, that I realized there was a little noise and interference on the microphone halfway through this interview. I don't know what caused the little crackling sound. It's almost like uh, the hissing and popping when you're listening to an album on vinyl. May have been the cord, may have been the microphone, may have been the wind on the rooftop. I have no idea what it was, but whatever it was, it uh, annoyed the hell out of me. And it might annoy the hell out of you. I had considering scrapping the entire interview, but um, that would have been a bummer. Because I enjoy talking with Frank, and he's a a super nice guy. And uh, I learned a lot about uh, Switzerland and his native Germany. And we had a good time with it. But nevertheless, I tried to clean it up with what little editing skills I have. Look, I don't claim to be an audio expert. I do what I can, and I try to make the best sounding show I can. But sometimes things happen. So if you're hearing this, that means I didn't have enough time to get another guest before I left on my trip. So I apologize in advance at about uh, 20 minutes into the interview. Uh, There's some noise. It goes in and out. It gets a little better toward the end, but there's a period there where it's kind of annoying. So um, um, that's my disclaimer, and I apologize profusely to Frank, who was very kind to take time out of his vacation to sit down and talk to me. But I did get to learn a lot about Switzerland, and we talked about what it was like for him to grow up in his native uh, Hamburg, Germany, during the uh, fall of the Berlin Wall and everything else. He's seen a lot in his life. I actually met Frank through the Rock Solid podcast that I co-host on occasion, and I've talked about a number of times on the show. Uh, Frank was a listener of that podcast and originally Never Not Funny, 
uh, with Jimmy Pardo, which I've been a guest on a number of times as well. And Frank has actually guested on a couple episodes of Rock Solid. So while he was passing through California, we did a Rock Solid episode on The Clash. You can go to rocksolidpodcast.com and iTunes to listen to that one. And while he was in town, I said, hey, Frank, how about a uh, Travel Tales podcast? And he said, absolutely. So here's our interview recorded live on a rooftop in Venice, California. Wind, static, and all. Sorry again about the noise, but hey, you didn't pay anything, did you? Ha <laughs> ha! But please enjoy my conversation with Frank Beernut. Frank Beernut. Now, here we are. Let me paint the picture for people who are listening. We're on a rooftop in the heart of uh, the Venice Beach Boardwalk. There's an absolute freak show going on downstairs. I could get my name on a grain of rice. I could uh, sign a petition to end circumcision. I could get some religious uh, literature. And I could buy heroin. So I got everything going on outside. And you're visiting from Switzerland. You're German by way of Switzerland. Tell me the name of the town in Switzerland you live in, because it's a smaller one. Well, it is a smaller one, yes, Mike. Um, but uh, it is well known in Switzerland. It's um, the town is called Zug, uh, Z-U-G, and it is also the name of the canton. So it is a pretty small town. It's thirty-five thousand people, but it's very famous because it is one of the most beautiful towns in Switzerland, and it is famous for the. Shall we call it the tax situation in general? So, and it's it's in central Switzerland, and it is one of the of the core cantons of Switzerland. So, basically, where Switzerland, you know, was 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 created, you know, was established in thirteen hundred something. Would you say this was the Silicon Valley of Switzerland? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> no, no, not even close. Uh, I mean, it's it's a very it's a very vivid area in terms of uh, economics. Yes, because there's a lot of companies there, you know, for the tech situation. Um, and uh, there's companies such as Glencore, for example. You know, they have their worldwide headquarters uh, there. Like Mark Rich, you know, you can see his villa still there, you know, and it's just, just, you know, which is, you know, it's it's, it's amazing, you know, and um, but what's happening in in Zug, you know, I mean, Switzerland is a fairly small country, so basically it'll take you with a train from the northeastern part to the southwestern part, it'll take you about four hours, and that'll be Switzerland for you. An F eighteen jet has twelve minutes. You know, so the, for the entire country, you know, so that's it. Um, so from from Zug to Zurich, you have 25 minutes. From Zug to Luzerne, you have 20 minutes. So it's all it's all in very close vicinity to each other. Now, what what the um, Chamber of Com- Commerce in in Zug does, you know, they're looking for new ways of uh, of economic growth, and uh, so they're investing a lot, also in 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 IT. Maybe it becomes the Silicon Valley of Switzerland. So you work for Apple. What is technically your uh, title at Apple? Technically, my title is Senior Business Development Manager Enterprise. That's a long title. It is. It is. And I, I, I hesitate to, to, to tell it to people because you know, it says nothing. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, and the senior is just, you know, a, a, a very, very fancy name for you're too old for what you're doing. You know, so it's... 
Um, it's basically, it's basically. So what I what I what I do is I'm a consultant, and um, so I look at the 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 Apple ecosystem. So the hardware and the software and the technology and the services, and the partners and the third party products that we have. You know, the Apple ecosystem, and look at the business of our enterprise customers. So large customers that are headquartered in Switzerland, and see how those two fit their business, our ecosystem. So you grew up in Hamburg, Germany, correct? You've seen a lot. In, in 50 years, Germany has uh, changed. A lot. Quite a lot. Tell me about growing up at the time uh, when the wall coming down and everything else and how your life was before it and how it changed after it and since in Germany. I haven't been to Hamburg. I've only been in the, in the bus station and <laughs> had a horrible night in the bus station. But uh, after that, it was all uh, the Reaper Bond with the Beatles. So that's all. And that's my history of Hamburg. So give me a little history of Hamburg and uh, what was it like growing up there? So there's more to it than just the Beatles, you know. And this is what? this. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. Go. So uh, Hamburg is Germany's second largest city. I don't know if you know that. You know, after Berlin. So Hamburg has uh, 1.8 million citizens. And it is a very green city. It is a very laid back city. It's uh, very. Um, I would just say uh, it's a very Swiss city, so to speak, you know. So basically, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, leaves everybody, you know, doing their business, you know, and don't bother anyone, you know, and it's pretty, you know, and it's it's safe, you know, and it's it's, it's fantastic to be there. So growing up in, in Hamburg, in a suburb of Hamburg, uh, in the uh, in the seventies and the sixties and seventies and and the eighties, then then obviously you know it was it was amazing because we have the vicinity to that large metropolitan area of Hamburg, but then again in the suburb you know it was all uh, woods and 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 forest and whatnot you know so we could we could in the in, in my, my childhood was basically basically happening in the forest. And then you know when I when I became you know, like a teen, you know, like fourteen and fifteen, you know, we had the vicinity of Hamburg, you know, to freak out. <laughs> so uh, that was and that was basically what we did. Now, when the the uh, the, the fun, so I didn't I didn't understand, you know, as as a child, I knew everything about. Now here is the here's the western part of Germany, the Bundesrepublik Deutschland, and there's the eastern part of Germany, Deutsche Demokratische Republik. And I knew what this was all about, you know, because we've been we've been uh, in school, you know, that was one of the main topics, you know, this is what it is, you know, and obviously in a World War Two, but that was what it is. So, and I understood, you know, that Berlin is basically an island in the in the GDR at at, at that time, but I couldn't grasp it, you know, as a concept. I said, how is that possible? So, what you're saying is there's there's a wall around a country, and people cannot get out, or only if they if with with a huge struggle. So this is I, I didn't didn't get that. So, however, you know, the older I get, you know, the more I got the concept, and the more I got the idea. You know, right now this is what's happening there. And uh, what was funny is we we always got the uh, the television because we were close to the border, so the the border to the GDR was about uh, seventy kilometers away. You got East German television. East, East German television. So we got East German television, and it wasn't too bad. So it was you know because it was you know at that time you know there was a lot of there was a lot of um, was a lot of propaganda. It was a lot of that. Well, of course, yeah. And and at a certain age, you know, you looked at it and said, now this is entertainment. This is so deadly funny. Now let's watch it. Uh, and, of course, the uh, the people in the GDR, they also received the, the Western German uh, television signal. So And they were watching it, although it was forbidden. 
it was forbidden by law. You know, you can't do that. You know, you're going to get punished. People watched it. So the, um, the the Eastern German government had to do something about it. So they created something they called the Schwarze Kanal, the Black Channel. So, and the the host of that was Karl Eduard von Schnitzler. I mean, there's n there's no better German name than Karl Eduard von Schnitzler. Karl Edward von Schnitzler. <laughs> Ex like exactly, exactly that. So now, and he was the host. So it was basically, uh, they were showing clips of Western German television, and Karl Eduard, Karl Eduard, as they called him, um, was was commenting on this and saying right now why this is all a lie this is not happening this is not happening and here is what is and what we have is better blah blah blah, blah. it was hilarious so it, they say they don't they don't really drive those cars that's all fake they, you know they don't have all that choice in the supermarket that kind of thing exactly exactly <laughs> and and if they if they really couldn't cover it up they said right now but yes they have it but really you don't it that doesn't make you happy you don't want this you know and this is very unsocial you know you cannot do this you know blah 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 and you go all right now maybe 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 it's it's maybe they're right and we're wrong right. but anyway so and then late 80s you know you you, we obviously, you know, we we witnessed what was going on, which was the the peaceful revolution, which started in uh, in Leipzig and Dresden, and it was just basically citizens demanding basic human rights. And so right now, that's that's not right. What's happening right over here? You know, let's talk about it. And it was very peaceful. I mean, it's and and the the government didn't know what to do about it. And when the wall came down in November of '89. I was at uh, American football training, so I played American football for for, for seven years, oh, really? and we were driving back from uh, from training, and in the radio, I said, "Right now, the wall just came down. The, the the government just opened the gates, and we stopped the car and looked at each other and went, what? What's happening? What's happening? Now, all of a sudden, the world as we know it has completely changed. It was that big of a surprise to you? I mean, you didn't see that coming? It wasn't a slow buildup? It was just overnight? It seemed like, oh, now it's coming down? So there was a, there was a buildup, yes, and you could see, you know, as I said, you know, there were all those demonstrations, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, like a couple of thousands people. People, there were fifty thousand people on the streets of the of the larger cities in uh, uh, in Eastern Germany. However, we all thought, all right, now the two countries will remain separated. However. It will be two sovereign countries with human rights, blah, 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 and, you know, the, 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 the border will come down, but it will rain. And all of a sudden, it was, and do you know that it was a mistake? It was a misreading of one of the, uh, of the speaker of the government? Uh, so you thought it would, it would just be two separate countries. It would remain east and west, but they would get a little more freedom. Yeah, that, that, that is what we thought. We thought right now this is, you know... Reunification wasn't even a thought. Well, it, it, the reunification was from the beginning, you know, after uh, Second World War, uh, it was in the, uh, um, which is called Grundgesetz, which is the uh, Constitution. This yeah, is yeah. the word, you know, excuse my... my <laughs> so the Constitution, which is Constitution. And one of the articles, one of the first articles in the Constitution, what was, was really the reunification, you know, is, is, is the goal that we're aiming for on the Western side, you know, not on the, not the Indian side. However, so, and then... Then so it was a mistake. It was a uh, so the government, the Eastern German government, government had um, had decided, let's open the border, but let's let's do this, let's do this not not just now, but let's think about it, you know, and let's do that, you know, and here a little bit, and here a little bit, you know, so just you know, so that we have a basically fluid progression, you know, yeah. to that. 
So and then there was a press conference. And the and the speaker of the government uh, of the Eastern uh, German government, you know, he he read this this little statement, yeah, and we're opening the the borders, blah blah blah. And then a journalist just just jumped on this area. Wait 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 wait. What did you say? Yeah, we're opening the borders. When is that going to happen? And he said, so to my knowledge, this is effective as effective as of now. And make it up? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just he's improvising. Yeah, and he he winged it because you know he you know they didn't think about it you know into detail, and then it was uh, so, and and everyone basically everyone in Eastern Germany stood up from where they were listening to what's happening and said, "Let's go to the wall and let's go to the let's go to the to the border you know and talk to to the to the officials right over there and this is where they opened you know and they couldn't hold it back. It was just it was just open it was um, it was an amazing amazing night it's amazing because i went to uh berlin in 89 that was my first trip to europe and i stayed in west berlin with a guy who uh grew up there and i asked him you know this wall is crazy do you ever think it's gonna come down and he went nah i can't see it happening <laughs> and then six months later i'm watching television and like you what 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 the hell and it's so weird because I remember I went through Checkpoint Charlie. I went to a day, and I, you could walk around East Berlin. And they told us that, oh, yeah, they dress up East Berlin for the tourist. Yeah. So they think it's not as bad as it is. And I remember go, I went in on a Sunday, and everything was closed. So they made you buy, like, $20 worth of East German money. Yeah. And I couldn't spend it because nothing was open. And I came back and tried to give it away to the people in the bar. That we, we don't want that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I guess, yeah. But yeah, it was really interesting. But I remember going on the trains, yeah. the subway, yeah. and there was the ghost stops where no one got on and off because the subway was built before the wall. So you would, there was these stops that were just empty, and no. One, and then all of a sudden, you came back into West Berlin, and there was people. It was, it was such a very strange thing. It didn't seem like something that was able to last, you know. And I'm not surprised that it came down. But I don't know. Walls are a strange thing. I mean, so after it comes down, so now you have a country that doesn't really know what it is. What do we, how's it going to move forward? Is there still, even now, a divide? Like, is it more of a mental divide? I, I know the West would be richer. It's a rough situation. I mean, I'm away from, from Germany. I live in Switzerland for 10 years now, so I'm away. Uh, so And the wall came down in, uh, in 89. So uh, that, is, that, is a long, that is a long time that has gone past. However, so... Eastern Germany, the GDR, was a was a country of 16 million people, and it was a highly educated country, and uh, with a with a fairly 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 good infrastructure uh, f for a socialistic country, and I hope that does not sound too condescending you know it was it was just it was just all right now there were there were different countries you know there were countries like poland you know we're in all right now this, 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 you can see the difference however and all of a sudden you know they were there and they had the uh um, the open economy and they had uh, capitalism you know and they went around what is going on so the the chancellor at uh, at that time was uh, was uh, Helmut Kohl. He was talking about uh, blühende Landschaften, which is basically a country to be blossomed, something like this, you know. So where he said, we're going to develop this, you know, in in the in the, in the best possible way, and this is going to be the best country in the world. Well, still not there. 
still not there uh, because a lot of people came over to western uh, western part of Germany for jobs for jobs and you have entire cities and villages that are ghost towns uh, where only where only old people are left because you know they can't leave because this is the only thing that they have uh, still the the salary level is lower um, and and it's and it's I'd say it's it's sad. You know, there's you have Berlin and you have Dresden and you have Leipzig and you have Magdeburg. You know, all the largest cities. Um, great job, countryside. You know, and everything that's a bit more rural. You know, go, oh, Jesus Christ, what's happening here? You know, just after after almost 30 years. You know, let's can can we have a look at this? You know, there is let's let's do something about it. Whenever I travel through former Eastern Bloc countries. Whether it's in uh, the Czech Republic or you know, Croatia or, or any of these places, Hungary a little bit, uh, it was surprising as an American having grown up through Cold War things and all that to hear how many, especially the older people, really miss uh, communism and they miss because they were taken care of. You know, they they never had to worry about finding a place to live or whatever. I mean, they bought into this system. And all of a sudden, they wake up one day and it's gone. You know, so they don't know what the future holds, and it's, it's they look back on it kind of like, yes, we all had less and fewer choices, but we didn't worry about a lot of other things. You know, do you find that in if in Eastern Germany anyway? I I there's two sides of the metal. Yes, you 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 know now there's freedom. You know, but but you know what does freedom give you? You know, if you cannot. If you cannot leverage and utilize the freedom, you know that you that you have, and and it was it was so the the general population was taken care of, maybe not with, uh, in 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 the in in the in the basic in the basic services of living, so nothing could happen to you. You know, you were you know if you were willing to work, basically in the GDR, you know you were covered on all good, you know, and if we if you were uh subscribing to the government you know and to their stuff you know you were you were fine you were fine you know nothing could happen to you uh now and i can see that people say that was better for us and that was better for me you know that suited my character better and also we grew up in this system so and all of a sudden you know it's change you know and and people don't human beings don't like change the human brain is not made for change and now you have a country you know that has created a certain per- pattern of living for about 40 years and then it's gone and not a transition there's no transition it was just switch off this is gone nobody has and there was a certain time you know when it was the wild west it was it was nobody had any authority so the police and they didn't have any authority they were laughed at you know and that was how what what do you make out of a situation such as this you know when you have when you have basically when you have have mayhem and that is what's happening you had russia <laughs> you had russia. <laughs> that's, that's russia that's what you have so that being said you're coming to an America in a very weird time right now. And you've been coming here a while. I mean, you've, for how long? When was your first trip to America? Uh, when I was 12. So I came here with my, with my parents on vacation, twice 12 and 13. Um, so, to to, no, uh, to, to Miami. Oh. And then... Did you go to Disneyland? No. Uh, no, I, I, I went to Disney World when I was, when I was 
20, oh. one, 21. Uh, that was quite an experience, you know, when, when Mickey Mouse and Goofy are talking over your dinner and go, no, 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 just stop, <laughs> stop, you stop ruining my dinner, go away. So, no, and then we went to, uh, from, from Miami, went to, uh, uh, to Treasure Key, uh, 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 Greater Bacco Island. So went uh, went there. So that was my was my first experience, and then came back uh, first time when I was nineteen for for business, um, and uh, the first the fir- after after the the Miami trip, the first trip was uh, to San Francisco. So for MacWorld in San Francisco, when MacWorld in San Francisco was still happening, you know, and that was uh, uh, in eighty eight. What were your impressions, your first impressions of America when you got here, and how were they different? From what you thought it would be. So when I was when I was younger, when I was when I was a kid, it was uh, overwhelming. It was really overwhelming. So wow, what is what you know? Coming from from a very laid back uh, suburb of northern Germany, all of a sudden you're in Miami and you go, "What is South Beach is a little crazy." It it is it is it was you know, but it was it was it was great. It was fun you know, and it was what was what was amazing. You have to you know. At that time, in it was the 70s, it was, Miami was not as cool. That I mean, Miami was rough. I mean, it was uh, it was not nice. It was a lot of old people in these rundown. It was you know Scarface times. You know, it really was. <laughs> it, but but for us, it was still you know it was yeah. a wow, amazing. Warm. We went to my it was warm, and we went to Miami Beach, and uh, so and what uh, the what what left the, the the deepest impression for me was was the television because uh, you know in germany we had three channels at that time and then we had the gdr television so we had four channels and then you came into the into the hotel room you know and there was that tv still with a with a with that switch you know with a that the turn switch yeah. and but you had like 11 or 12 or 14 and that was paradise you know and cartoons and all of this you know and it was uh, that was that was amazing that was amazing so, but my my that was number, impression number one. But the most uh, uh, I think the most important impression was you know that it was a uh, everyone was was friendly. I thought everyone was was extremely friendly and approachable and helpful and and uh, and cheered up. You know, and it was it was you know I, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Uh, you've been coming here for years, I mean, since the eighties, and. How has it changed in your mind from what you've seen, and where do you think it's heading? And now with the uh, political climate and everything else, I know we're getting a lot of press in uh, around the world, uh, all over. What are they saying back in uh, Europe, and what do you see? Obviously, you know, there's a lot, as you said, you know, there's a lot of coverage of what's going on, and uh, so I don't, I don't know what's happening. I, I have my, I have my personal opinion about this, you know, and I really don't, I really don't understand what is happening. I really don't understand what's, and that is not because of because of one person, you know, that is in the press, you know, for the entire time. It is because of the entire system, you know, that there's obviously a lot of people, you know, who are not comfortable with what is happening, you know, that are against it, you know, but there's nothing, obviously, with the current political system and administrative system, you can do against it. Yes, impeachment, but that is, that seems to be like like jumping through one million burning hoops. So, so even, even if you, if you catch someone red-handed, Basically, he can get away with that. So, so it's it's just um, it's uh, interesting to watch and to and to see. Now, what I've seen over over the years, and I have to say, you know, coming to to the U.S. yes on vacation, but mainly on business, mainly on business. 
I'm living in a bubble. So really, I'm living, I'm living in a bubble. You know, I fly, I fly over. You know, and I go to my hotel, and I go to Cupertino, and I go to San Francisco, and I go, you know, to the bigger cities. Missing a lot. I mean, the tour we are on right now, you know, that 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 uh, vacation tour, you know, is uh, uh, showing us some 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 different pictures, you know, as as to that. But you know, there's sometimes there's a glimpse into the into the the daily life in the in the U.S. And what I can see, you know, it's there's there's a huge gap in between the different the groups um, a huge a huge gap between the different political groups social groups and so many people are falling behind and I don't believe that this is necessary you know I don't want to sound Gandhi style you know but um, this and I don't have a solution for this you know but when I look at at what's you know happening in Venice or when I look at the tenderloin in in, in San Francisco and when I look at the, the homeless and not only the homeless you know I mean there's people as far as I understand you know that have three jobs and still living in their car because they cannot afford a proper proper home I go we and and I'm not talking about the US you know, because this is only because this is happening in other countries as well we as a we as humans have done something wrong that this is happening there's something wrong about this you know that that can't be so that people that people are struggling to make a living although they try hard so there's something about there's something where where, where I see that now in terms of what's what's coming, I don't I don't know. You know, I thought about it. Or now, if if Germany, well, Switzerland is different. You know, because Switzerland, you know, is basically they we we ha- we don't have a government. We have a, a, a central administration. Do you know that Switzerland does not have a capital, as 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 uh, according to the constitution, uh, Bern is not the capital. No. Bern is the the location of the general administration. That's it. So and and there is no there is no head of state, there is it's all it's all divided under the, the different parties you know so everybody's happy, and and that what's or going not on. happy or not happy yeah so and this is what's this is what's going on but if I if I look if I look at my my home country Germany you know if for example the head of the head of state you know is the is the president but the president is more representative you know so and. Right. And it's the chancellor, so 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 it's uh, Angela Merkel right now. So if she would, if she would um, do th- do things that are against the constitution or against the law, or if she would she would go uh, and um, and and openly uh, lie to the to the to the parliament and to the people, the parliament itself would say, listen. Uh, we're voting against you. There's something in the German constitution which is which is called uh, the mistrust vote. So basically, where the parliament said, "Listen, you know, we're voting now on you," but hand sign. And if if more people uh, mistrust you than trust you, you're out. You're gone. You mean she just doesn't tweet bullshit all day long? <laughs> she doesn't do that. <laughs> that's the way we go in about it now. That's that seems to be our mo. Uh, so with. Okay, well, let's get to Switzerland then. Let's talk about that. For someone who's from Germany, what are the differences of living in Switzerland as compared to living in Germany? So, first of all, you know, it's a... The chocolate? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's basically it. Yeah. It's, it's chocolate and mountains, and that's 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 it. So it's uh, you know me being from northern Germany, so close to the Danish border, uh, basically. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of parallels between between the the northern Germany way and or the northern German way and the Swiss way. You know, it's uh, it's. It's laid back. It's easy. It's not very confronting. It is uh, uh, let's let's you know live and let live. You know, so all good. You know, here's my personal space. Here's your personal space. I respect that. So, but you know, although you know, for me, it was after. Uh, so when I when I when I came to when slashes here on the beat. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So when I came to Switzerland, you know, it was basically just crossing the south border of Germany. And but uh, but I was I I was an immigrant, you know. I was I was going to another country, working in another country, living in another country. You know, it started with being in the supermarket. And right now, what is the yogurt you take? I don't. Uh, what are the brand? I don't know. I don't know the brands. Uh, I don't. So what do I have to do to get a driver's license? So all the things you know that what I need a car. What do I do? So and it started with you know when I came to the first four weeks, four weeks, six weeks, I lived in a paid apartment by Apple in uh, in Zurich, and then I had to to look for an apartment, you know, for a home to live in, you know, didn't know where to go. I really did not know where to go. So, so what is a good place? Uh, do I go to the countryside? Do I stay in the city? Uh, what are the implications if I stay in the city? So, what about the tax situation? Because in in Switzerland, I mean, this is this is this is huge. In, in Switzerland, you have you have uh, um, that the, the tax is can be significantly different between one village and the neighbor village. So you have to look at that, all right? Now, is that something you know, or you have to decide? Is that something that I want to that I want to look at? So, and then started working. You know what? What uh, at first I realized is it's as I said. You know, it's very relaxed. It's it's laid back. It's very professional. It is very. Um, it's short ways in Switzerland. Not only traveling traveling between the cities, uh, but also the you get to the decision makers or and the people who can make a decision. You know, very very fast. And this is this is this is what I what I find find very impressive. I always had a little trouble every time I was in Switzerland to. Uh kind of figure out kind of a national identity you know what i mean it's, it's and it's probably because there's there's a german speaking part a french speaking part there's the is, is there a swiss kind of language i guess there's a is there a native speak i mean whatever it is it seems very divided in its own way every re- is an italian speaking part. so it's just yeah. who's what's the thing we can there's not like one you can't think of a swiss stereotype almost other than being very uh you know a banker who has a nice watch, you know. So is there a character, is there big differences between, like, say, the German-speaking and the French-speaking parts? Two different countries. Yeah. It's, it's two different cultures, and it's, I mean, Switzerland has 26 cantons, and all of these cantons, so it's a very uh, um, federalistic, organized uh, country. These, these cantons basically rule themselves. There's, there's a general administration, yes, uh, but however, it's just, you know, hey, we're in the canton of Zouk, we're in the canton of Zurich, we're in the canton of wherever, you know, just leave us alone, you know, we do our stuff right here. So you have a very, very strong um, bind of the people of the canton, even of the, of the municipality you live in. So this is your route. 
So, so the village you grew up in, so the the so-called Bürgerort, so which is basically your citizen uh, 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 township. So basically, you know, this is this is where, where you this is your home, and you don't consider yourself being yes Swiss also. But yeah, I'm from I'm from Zug. I'm from Rahel. My girlfriend, for, for example, is from Valjeville, which is a um, what is a village four uh, thousand citizens in the canton of Zug. And uh, she's she's she is from there, and she is you know and the entire family, and this is this is what they consider. So, yes, there is a certain Swiss, um, yeah, I wouldn't say mentality, but there's a certain Swissness to people, you know, where they say right now, we're, yes, we're from Switzerland, but they, I'm not from Switzerland, I'm from this and that canton, you know, this and that that town, you know. It was it was funny, you know, when I a couple of couple of months back we were talking about. You know what, what you call armory, so where you basically have a a certain a certain you know picture for your family, yeah. you know, so 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 like that. And we were talking about this, and 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 my girlfriend looked at me and said, "So what you're telling me is that you don't have an armory for your family?" I said, "No, I don't." She said, "Okay, every family in Switzerland has that." So this be like a coat of arms, coat like of arms. a coat of, coat of arms, not armory. Luckily, again, you know. So thank you. Yeah, coat of arms, you know. <laughs> so if you um, now, if we're going to give travel advice here, everybody knows the big main touristy spots in uh, Switzerland. What is a place that people may not know that you would recommend that they go visit? So, um, go to the countryside. Uh, go to the countryside and wing it from there. You know, there's nothing that can happen to you. Um, I mean, don't don't climb the mountains if you if you if you can climb the mountains. I mean, it's just it gets rough. You know, there and but but just just wing it. You know, it's uh, so central Switzerland is absolutely beautiful. You know, the uh, the town and canton of Zug, uh, canton of Schwyz, Niedwalden, uh, 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 Obwalden. It's just absolutely beautiful, and you can fly into Zurich. You know, and take a train. The public transportation, you know, brings you everywhere. Uh, go to uh, Graubünden, Bünderland, so Lenzerheide, for example. So now, if you if you uh, if you go to uh, Graubünden, which is in the southeast, uh, uh, as I said, you know Lenzerheide, Davos, you know it's just uh, it's it's amazingly beautiful. You know, you can you know hiking, and in the summertime, you know there's a lot of lakes, and it's it's getting it's getting hot in the in the summertime as well. Uh, go to the valleys. Uh, uh, the valleys is uh, where Zermatt is. Zermatt, yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, so, so, so it has that famous famous rock, you know. It has the Matterhorn, you know, and there is, uh, but there's tons of people. It's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning, beautiful. And when you see the Matterhorn for the first time, you go, now this, this is this this is a mountain there, you know. It's just because it's so it's so in your face. Um, but you know, go to the little little uh, valleys around it. Uh, just walk there, hike, uh, 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 mountain bike. You know, we do a lot of mountain biking. You know, it's amazing. In, for example, in Graubünden, south uh, southeast, you can mountain bike each hiking trail, and uh, even the uh, the lifts, so the skiing lifts, they run in the summer. And they have they have a certain apparatus, you know, where you can hang your mountain bike, and they they drag you up the mountain, you know, and 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 you can you can downhill from there, you know, and it's it's uh, it's it's just amazing. What kind of uh, food can we have in Switzerland that we we should not leave without eating this? What is a Swiss food that we must try? Um, 
Now you're trying to uh, bring me to the melted cheese, don't you? No, so fondue. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> these are the classics, you know, the fun, the fondue, and the, chocolate. and and the chocolate, and the raclette, and uh, and all of that. Raclette, which is which is melted cheese again, you know. So, but in a different shape and form, you know, than than fondue. However, uh, so there is uh, um, there is stuff such as. Uh, uh, Capuns, which is a can't even describe what it is, you know, which is from from Graubünden, you know, which is certain, uh, which is certain dish. So, it's I've never had a bad food experience in Switzerland. You know, even even when you walk into some kind of very remote valley, and there's a little hut, and it has only open, you know, in two two hours of the day, go in there and eat great food. Uh, then, if you go to the uh, Ticino, which is the Italian part, so it's just one canton. Uh, go to one of the grottos, which is uh, which is little caves, and uh, they don't have a menu because they only have one dish, <laughs> and it's the dish of the day, and this is what we have. And if it's gone, it's gone, you know. But it's but it's fantastic. It's uh, it's great. So. I really never had. I mean, you can have all of the food, you know, from from all over the planet, you know, from from an Asian and Italian and meat and beef, whatever, you know. So, but it, really, go to the countryside, you know, and just sit down and say, no, "I don't know what this means. I cannot pronounce it. Bring it." I'm going to ask this uh, one a favorite question of any German: What is the beer I must try when I'm in Germany? Jeva. Spell that. Jeva. It's J E V E R. And it's from uh, it's from northern Germany, northern uh, uh, west part of Germany, from uh, Ostfriesland, and uh, so it is. Uh, it's very, um, it's bitter, uh, but it's pilsner. It's a pilsner, but it's uh, it's very bitter, and it's uh, I love that Jever. It's a green bottle, and with golden with a golden label. You know, can't miss it. Is there something in America that you like to eat that when you come here that you was like, oh, we got to stop at that place? So we, you know, during our travel, you know, for, for for the last four weeks, we have we have found so many amazing places to to eat, you know, in 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 towns that we never heard of before. You've been doing a West Coast swing. You did all of pretty much all of California, northern and southern, and then you went to Death Valley in July, which I still can't figure out why you would do that. And then you went to Vegas, right? Um, so yeah, I'm sorry I cut you off. I just want to tell people where you've been. So yes, yeah, so we flew into San Francisco and then up to Bodega Bay and Napa Valley. So for example, in Napa Valley, we were in Glen Allen and uh, didn't know what it was. Uh, have never heard about it. And uh, then it w- it's, it's a beautiful little place, and it is you know uh, all of a sudden it's uh, everything is about Jack London, you know, and we as oh he lived here, look at this, you know, and he was trying to to make money some with 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 a farm. However, you know, and we uh, we were in a beautiful little hotel there, uh, the Olea, and just across, uh, just in the next corner is a restaurant called uh, Star. Uh, ten tables. Uh, I believe uh, Gomio and Michelin star rated of whatever best meat I ever had. <laughs> the best, the best. It was just I. It and they. It is from a farm. I looked it up right away, and it's from from the um, Snake River Farm in California in the Napa Valley. Locally sourced, so so the steak was from a bull named George or whatever, you know, just yeah, yeah, right down the street, and it was basically it was Kobe beef, you know, it was Californian Kobe beef, you know, and it was so well cooked, you know, and I, 
and I took a, the first bite, and and you know I I started crying, you know, and there's this or is there doubt? This is what it is. Then we went to Sacramento, you know, and Sacramento is a weird place, I think, you know. It's I don't know, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, was there. It's you know, it was just for our way from from there, yeah. from 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 Napa Valley to uh, to Lake Tahoe. And uh, so, nice hotel, nice little boutique hotel. Then went to a sushi place there. Best sushi. <laughs> no, it was it was really it was really fantastic. You know, so what I really like, you know, is the is the uh, is the variety of, of food that you get get everywhere. And it is uh, you get you get as in Switzerland, you know, get get highest quality in the most unusual places, <laughs> most unusual places. Okay, let's wrap this up. I have a friend who's going to Oktoberfest. Next month, I've been in Munich. Much better when I was a. I would have rather gone when I was 22 rather than a few years ago. It's just yeah, not. Um, what is uh, one recommendation you can tell people? I told him to make try to get a re- reservation to a beer tent before he gets there, because I didn't know you could just. I thought you could just walk into them. No, you could be turned away. I mean, yeah. They get full. So, any other recommendations for people? Uh, number one recommendation is don't go. So no, no, no. It's it's no. I've been to Mardi Gras. It's yeah. No, it's I've been I've been to the Oktoberfest uh, twice in my entire life, and uh, so I so up to the up to the point where I was so hammered that I couldn't that I couldn't recognize stuff anymore. I didn't like it. Uh, it's yeah. because it is. It, I mean, it's traditional, and if you yes, if you have a reservation in the right tent, you know, it can be fun. But at a certain point of time, everyone's drunk. Uh, the the place reeks of piss yeah. uh, and vomit, <laughs> and everybody w- is fighting. And it's just, it's just, yes. I mean, if you go with locals, you know, they they, they know where to go, you know. And and I really don't want to, to to piss all over it, you know, because it has it has its charm. I really, it really has its charm. So when you go with locals and traditionalists, uh, uh, and and the traditional Oktoberfest, but it's it's not a it's not a pleasant place to be with with hundreds of thousands of mainly tourists trying to to gulp down as much beer as possible in a short period of time and then falling down wherever they are yeah i I told people it's like if if you think going to say the indy 500 uh, infield or spring break in (laughs) wherever cancun or something is a good time you'd probably enjoy oktoberfest but if not eh, then maybe skip it um so finally as a as an outsider how has uh, traveling to different countries around the world changed you as a person over the years and maybe how you look at people and the world so so i was i was brought up extremely extremely open minded so i really i really have an entire blind eye for any kind of separation between anything i really i, I have an entire blind eye for that uh so um what what it so dealing with and that sounds a little bit like 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 business performance review, dealing with uh, ambiguity. You know, it's it's basically facing situations that you have to solve and you don't know what's happening. So this has, you know, it's basically I can I feel comfortable by 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 stepping into any situation, and and knowing how to deal with it, and knowing what to what to do, and approaching people, you know, and and reading people, and 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 because you know what's appropriate in the U.S., you know, maybe totally inappropriate 
in uh, in Italy or in 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 Norway or wherever. So reading right now, what is the what is the common sense here? Yeah, I don't want to offend people, you know, but I want I want you know I want to have fun, you know, I want to I want to learn something. So I think it's those two things, you know, dealing with the unknown. Number one, and and number two, uh, reading and understanding people and respecting their way of life. I uh, did a show the other night at the Improv that I'm sorry you didn't get to see because I did my new uh, German material. So I've been doing this on the ship, but you know it's all stereotypes. But uh, how like uh, well Germans? I, I said I've never been to a country. I've been to over 80 countries around the world, but I've never been to one where I didn't run into at least one German. Like they travel. I mean they get out there. Yeah. And they love to get out, like, remotely and rough it, you know, that you could be the most remote jungle in Borneo and then off the grid and stuff. And as soon as you set your backpack down, a naked German couple walks out, <laughs> Guten Tag! You're like, what the? How long have you been here? Three weeks! And uh, and then there was this, the other stereotype is that then I go on to say, it's like, well, the Germans love getting naked outside. In, in a, they see a body of water, those shorts are down. What? And I did read an article about this. Is there something that's like... Do you love getting naked outside and swimming? I, I, <laughs> of course, of course, I do. See? Yes, that is, a, that is a silly question. But I read an interesting article. They explained it that there is something in the. So it is. It is. It is something. You know, funny enough. You know, coming from Eastern Germany, from the GDR, they had a huge uh, FKK, FKK, um, Freikörperkultur. So basically, they had uh, uh, nudity camps all around, all around the country. You know, campgrounds and beaches, and so basically, where you walk on the campground, and everyone is naked, everyone, and 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 not a few people or not most of the people. No, no, everyone, everywhere in each function, whatever that is. Can I get you a drink, sir? Yes, please. And you say that while staring at their private region, you know, and you go, okay, this is hello. Uh, so, yeah, please get me a drink, I guess. Uh, so, and yes, there, there is something about this, I guess. It's the benefit of not having, you know, coming from a Puritan, uh, you know, there's a reason the Puritans were kicked out of every country in Europe. But at the end of the joke, <laughs> you know, the German guy said, ah, it's lovely to be naked outside. I said, yes, sir, this is a Disney water park. Maybe you should... <laughs> Put your put your short. You're scaring the children. <laughs> See, folks, you can get humor like that if you take a cruise. Um, well, let's go get some lunch or do something. Let's go to the. Let's go swimming. You can you can keep your shorts on, please. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we can go down and see the freak show, or uh, let's uh, get off the roof. But I appreciate you. Uh, doing this for me. It's great. And uh, also listen to Frank and me and April Richardson and Pat Francis on the Rock Solid podcast. We talked about uh, The Clash. That was fun. That was, that, was, that was fantastic, you know, and it turned out to be an intervention for Pat. You know, so it turned out, you know, because Pat was pretty, was pretty, you know, he was pushing back on The Clash, you know, and oh boy, you know, we, we, we taught him to, yeah. to, to love it. Yeah, we still disagree on uh, Combat Rock, though. Oh, yeah, you and I well. We'll discuss that at, at, at later But uh, thank you for doing this. That was uh, very nice of you to do this. And um, is where is there anything that you can tell us before we leave about uh, Apple and what we can expect coming out in the future? Yeah, you wish, yes. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Buy the stock anyway, folks. Uh, thank you, Frank. It was my pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much. All right, Frank Bearnett, everybody. Yeah.